Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! Inconsistent Outsider's Edge podcast. This is your boy, the Sage of the Squared Circle, Dr. Schmores, Mr. Kyle Moores, and I am joined as always by the Kenny to my Kota, Mr. Ray Cash Rance Morris. How you doing, sir? If y'all knew how fucking hard we tried to do to get this damn podcast recorded tonight, if y'all had any fucking idea. See, we're inconsistent, <laughs> so these people don't think that we love them, but if they only knew how much we love them. And we got reasons for inconsistency. It's not like we just sitting there chilling somewhere on some island or some shit. No, right? We actually no. got reasons. Not here at the Outsiders Head Studios. We've got we've had multiple real life things just kind of hit us all at one time, and we've been dealing with a lot of that. And so, like, we haven't been hitting you with that good, good content. But you know, we had to come in this week. You heard the song at the top of the show. Um, we are obviously the Outsiders Edge podcast. So, yep. like, you know we got to start the show talking about rest in power to the bad guy, the great Mr. Scott Hall. 
Uh, I'm going to just kick it to you, Rams, and let you give me some thoughts, man. Well, first off, I want to give full deference and respect to Scott. And it would be, it wouldn't be right if I didn't start with this story. The reason the show is called The Outsider's Edge is because me and Carl, who part of the show, not part of the show, on won't the show, even on listen the to the show, so won't even know uh, how you shout him out right now. Well, that's facts, because he don't listen to shit. Um, he and I, back in the Lords of Pain days, called ourselves the Outsiders for two reasons. Number one, Scott Hall is a bit of is, is a bit of a hero to Carl, at least wrestling's perspective, but whatnot. He looked up to him as his favorite wrestler, whatnot. But also because we were the ones that did, we, we were like the outcasts of the group. So we banded together, said us against the world. We called ourselves the Outsiders Edge. We looked up to Scott and Kevin, so on and so forth. And then finally, we finally got a chance to make it a show. Brought my boy Kyle on, who I affectionately called the Deshaun Waltman of the group. Yo, I will take that comparison. Like, I ain't got no sex tape, but, like, Waltman is the best rig hand of a ball. And... He's probably at this point in his life, maybe the most fully adjusted. Oh, for sure. He got clean at the right time. Yep. Number one, he got clean at the right time. And he got clean in a different way than Sean did. Like, Sean got clean by, like, getting real into religion. Mm -hmm. And, like, that became Sean's new addiction. Much Mm -hmm. healthier addiction in the long run, but, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Waltman got clean and, like, gained a whole lot of perspective. 100%. And, like, what I really appreciate about Waltman being clean is, like, Sean doesn't want to talk about the bad period. He doesn't want to talk about the time period where he was, like, the biggest asshole in the company. And, like, you know, yeah, what Brett did was wrong, but Brett had a reason for being pissed off. Um... But, like, Waltman will give you all of his dirty laundry. He will just put it out there. He's just like, yeah, I I was real fucked up on this at the time. Or I had this going on at the time. Or, like, yeah, that was when I was doing this. And, like... It's refreshing. it, It is refreshing because, like, it doesn't absolve you of what you've done. And he doesn't pretend that it does. But it's just really, like you said, refreshing when somebody doesn't try to pretend that the shit that's, like, out there in the public record already didn't happen. It's an acknowledgement of facts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's for, you know, one of the criticisms we give WWE, for example, all the time is insulting the intelligence of the viewer and pretending that we didn't see what we just saw. You know, mm-hmm. Waltman is just like, oh, no, y'all saw all that shit. So, like, yeah, so let me just tell you what was happening, um, you know. Here's why, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a total asshole at this time, and here's why I was being a dick. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, you're, I'll take You're that. right, that is a positive. Yeah, it's very positive. And I love I love me some, I love me some one to three kids from Xbox. To get but, back um, to, you know, to get back to Shaw, or to Scott Hall, though, I mean, you know, we wouldn't know who one, two, three is without Razor Ramon. Well, there you go. He... So that's the other thing about Scott. So I just wanted to give that little anecdote first and foremost, because a podcast and the outsider's edge, there's got to be a reason why we call it that. We didn't call it that because it sounded cool. There was a reason why we came to that conclusion. And it is to this day, the coolest fucking finisher in wrestling. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's, I mean, it's scary when the wrong person does it, 
Oh yeah, like <laughs> but, it's, it's but one, God did it. Well, there's a reason it's so, it, there's a reason it is still so protected because it's one of those moves where it's just like, oh no, you could fuck somebody up. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Somebody just did it a couple weeks ago and then do land on their neck, and I was like, ugh. Um, but to get, let's let's get to some of the good about Scott because there. In situations like this, you want to be nuanced. I, I don't really want to focus on a lot of the bad because my man just passed, and you want to give respect. Well, it's well documented anyway. Sure, like, what we his, all his know, demons we all know what the problems were. We all know yes. what the problems were. Um, but man, the people he helped, the people whose lives he changed, the the people who took his idea. Sting has his Sting has his entire like biggest part of his career to think because he was like have you ever seen a crow no nah, dog it's bigger than that like let's keep it a buck let's keep it a buck scott hall and kevin nash are the reason why y'all get paid oh, in guaranteed facts. money it's all facts all facts because vince vince was a per appearance he was neck deep in the carny and then turner offered hall and nash guaranteed money Big guaranteed money. Next thing you know, there was a downside on these contracts. So, oh. like, Hall and Nash are the reason why there's guaranteed money in wrestling. Hall and Nash are the reason why there's no compete clauses. Favorite Nations. That was because of them. Like, that's this... by the way, for those of you who don't know who Favorite Nations is in the contract, go look that up. That is a quite interesting conversation to have. So, like, I I bring those two things up specifically because, like, realistically, if you worked for WWE or if you are on a big money deal for any company now, you owe a thank you to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. You know what's interesting to me, Kyle? Sometimes I try to think, especially in conversations like this, if you would, if, if, if the aliens came and they were like, tell me about wrestling in two minutes. And you had to tell the story of pro wrestling. Who would be involved in the conversation? Who wouldn't? Some great wrestlers you might not even bring up or whatnot because it didn't really matter in the long run. No matter how many great champions we've had, no matter how many top stars and, and like real-life superstars we've had, you cannot tell the story of professional wrestling without Scott Hall. And Can't that is one of the greatest like uh, positives you could ever say about the dude. You can't. Yeah. Whether you're and it's whether you're talking about actual razor or fake razor and how fake that turned like that turned into a whole fucking bag of worms. Whether you're talking about the NWO, is it real? Is it fake? What's going on here? Like all of that shit, it all goes back to Kevin or to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. If you talk about all the shit that the Bullet Club ripped off, all the shit that they ripped off, all Scott, all Scott. Yep. Uh, Scott is the one who I'm, I know Waltman created. He started, he stole the Wolfpack sign, but who's the first one to use it in wrestling? Scott. Yeah. Well, right? and let me, and let's be real. Nobody who's ever seen wrestling from that era has not tried to do the Scott Hall walk. Oh, the surfer walk? I do it to this day. All the time. To, to this day. If, you know, especially you if restaurant. you're trying to feel like, a, especially if you're trying to feel like a badass, like you just want to be a boss. Oh. You you so to this day if I go to a restaurant and I get a toothpick I always get a second one to put it behind my ear. I used to be mad. I used to be really really jealous. I'm a black dude, so clearly I don't have straight hair. And well, not clearly, I don't. 
but I used to be jealous of people who have straight hair because I wanted to have the one string of hair going down my forehead. Like my boy was just, a, I, I wanted to, I, I'm jealous of Kyle right now because it's not quite a five o'clock shadow, but it's very nice and trimmed. I wanted the five o'clock shadow beard so bad because of Scott. Like so many of the things that like I thought were cool as a kid were because of Scott. You know what I mean? In fact, keep it a buck. The Generation X, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the first person to do a crotch chop on TV? Scott Hall. Yeah. It's just it's so much that he's behind or he's involved with or he had a hand in. And then he was so giving. You know, you hear the stories about the Jericho story about how he was supposed to squash Jericho. And he told Jericho right before the finish, you're going to beat me. How he pushed for Kid, for Waltman to beat him. All these people he had no reason to give back to. Never once pushed to be a world champion, and he had creative control. He was probably, man. Speaking of, he was probably one of the greatest performers to never be a world champion. I say the greatest. greatest. Yeah, I say the greatest. Well, okay, do we count AWA as a world champion as as a top level? I mean, what what time period of AWA? Whatever you would want to pick, because because I know Kurt was AWA world champion. I think Roddy was an AWA world champion. The only one that got a conversation with Scott is Roddy Piper. Mm. Mm. That's the only one, in my opinion. No disrespect to Ted DiBiase. No disrespect to Kurt Henning. No disrespect to Rick Rude. No disrespect to any gold dust, any of these great people. But, like, the only one that really got a conversation with Scott, I think, is Roddy Piper. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't don't disagree, because I can't think of anybody, like, Post that period because, like, once you get to the Attitude Era and the hot potato title shots, uh, then like, liter- uh, and then once you get to the brand split, and, uh, then you, yep, yep, and then the rise of other promotions becoming prominent, and it's like you know between all of that shit, like anybody who should have been world champion has been world champion somewhere. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Kofi was probably the last dude. Kofi and 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 Bobby were the last dudes you could say, mm. you know. Speaking of Kofi, get well soon, Biggie. We love you. Look, man, that's a no, no conversation, for, whole another conversation for another day. But it speaking of, so if I can make a parallel, if I can do some journalism, sir, Mister Sage in Square Circle, you saw the outpouring of love for Scott, unanimous, and it's it you it get, it goes to tell you while Scott had his issues, how much people loved him and how good he was to people. The same thing for Big E. So that a part, the whole companies were sending out tweets. Mm-hmm. Get well, Big E. And this bastard had the goal to tell us, I just want to make sure y'all are okay. He not worried about himself. He worried about us. You, ble- you beautiful man. Like, I love that man so much. And I'm not talking about wrestling love. Like, I love that dude like I know him. Get well soon, Big E. We love you. Um, but yeah, you know, just all the good vibes to Scott's family, um, to the clip, yeah. to his friends, to the wrestlers. Yeah. You especially, you know, especially the people closest to him that were there through all of the scares over the years. And like, yeah. you know, like it's, fu- it's fucked up to say, but if we're going to keep it a buck and be honest, like it's, it's great that he lived long enough to die old. Because for a long time, we didn't think he was gonna. Like, there was a part of me when I was watching the video package that was like, 
How many years have y'all had this in the chamber? That's the saddest thing about the situation because I know he expected not to be here this long. Mm-hmm. And he finally got a chance to live a part of his life I'm sure he never thought he would. And I really hope he felt the love that he got he's getting now. I hope he felt it before he passed because people love that man. The joke, my brother, to, to my Hispanic brother, there's the joke going around that people to this day don't know that dude is not Cuban. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's the do. one human. He's one of the few people who, who could pull off cultural appropriation and nobody cares because he was so dope with it. Like to this day, people don't know that dude is not a Cuban dude. It is it, it's just the drip and the swag and the cool factor. Like what I know Roddy, I know Roddy's probably the first heel that was kind of cool. Well, he wasn't Scott Hall cool. He wasn't Razor Ramon dripped in gold cool. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't, wasn't Tony Montana Scarface cool. Nah. So, like, Scott Hall was just one of a kind. He was just Heart one of a kind. To, Heart goes out to Kev. Heart goes out to Kid. And I'm, Sean and Hunter for sure. But, I mean, you know, Kid, Waltman and, and Kevin and Scott were inseparable. And speaking of that, uh, heart goes out to Dallas and to Jake Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah. They they worked a lot with Scott to help him uh, get clean. Yeah, they they yeah. did. So you know, but just R.I.P. Scott Hall. We loved you. Um, also, like R.I.P. Ring of Honor? Question mark. Maybe. So do this for me. Do this for me. To give respect to Scott, let's take a break. Let's let him have this whole first segment or first part of the show. And then we'll come to whatever the fuck Tony's doing with Ring of Honor. You're listening to the Outsider's Edge on the Chair Shot Radio Network. While we go and go buy some t-shirts. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. And we'll be, uh, we were professional now. We'll be less professional when we come back. Back to normal. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Scott deserves his own segment. You're absolutely right. Um, This don't deserve its own entire segment so like we will not go to break after this one (laughs) um but like so tk bought ring of honor in not super shocking development like realistically it was going to be tk or vince one of them was going to buy ring of honor and you know i think you very well articulated the argument for why it's more valuable to tk in the present Mm -hmm. when you look at their roster um and it gets him the rights to all in Mm-hmm. Which, and the tape you know, library and the tape library i mean to be perfectly honest i know they made all out a whole thing but like nah dog i rebrand that shit is all in immediately i yeah, right. like like nope we we this correcting September. yeah we correcting i think keep the show in <laughs> vegas like i don't give a shit 
Um, but yeah, we're correcting all in. Um, but anyway, um, what do you think the future is for ROH now? Like, I've heard some rumors that it's going to, like, maybe be kind of, like, their version of developmental. But, like, does that even fucking matter? Are they going to have distribution now that they're not owned by Sinclair? Like, what what the fuck is Ring of Honor now? That's a great question. Because every single pathway seems to point to developmental. And it makes sense. But then the question is... What are you going to do for distribution and letting people see this and whatnot? Um, one of the positives of him buying Ring of Honor was not only the tape library, but it gives him fodder to say, hey, streaming services, I have this product and I have this much backlog, you know, because they only got three years worth of, of it for AEW. But in terms of like right now, they got a book for Supercard of Honor in two weeks. So it's like, what is the plan? Um, AEW needs a developmental territory. Let's say this. They need something for these guys and girls to be able to fully flesh out stories. And like Dark and Elevation has done its job. I will give it that. I am not a fan of the show, but it's by and large done, it's done what it's been asked to do. But QT and, and Sean Dean and Chris Daniels need something more then a YouTube show most people don't watch. And Ring of Honor may be the perfect thing, but I don't know how they're going to do the logistics of it because who's going to pay Who's going to pay to put it on TV? And if you're not going to put it on TV, then what's why the would fucking you spend? point? Right, and then and the, the killer is, the killer is, when Vince bought uh, WCW, it was for what, $5 million? Mm-hmm. He paid 20 30 $40 million for Ring of Honor? I get inflation in the years past. That's a lot of money for a dead promotion that's never done anything. Yeah, no, nah, this is the first time I'm hearing a number, and my immediate thought was shit. No wonder Vince ain't buy that shit. Bro, he 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 bowed out pretty fast. He peeped he that he peeped that check. He was like, "How many zeros? Oh, oh no, LeBron, me, LeBron, Jeff on the set." And bet money, though he wouldn't have bought the whole company. He would have bought the type library because that's all yeah. he wants. Yeah. Why does he want the name or the likeness or the wrestlers? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the wrestlers, you know, since their contracts were allowed to expire, like, so, like, what does this mean for Jonathan Gresham? What does this mean for Ian Riccoboni? Like, did you buy these contracts? Like, what does any of this mean? If you're smart, you bought Ian Riccoboni's contract, but I don't know if Ian wants to go on tour like that. Ian needs to get a job right now. Immediately. He's one of the best in the business. Um, uh, but all of their contracts end, the ones that didn't end at the end of the year end in March. So they ended this month. I don't know if it's going to be at Supercard or before Supercard. But so for all intents and purposes, you could say John Gresham is a full-fledged uh, free agent. Now, reports are he's been backstage a couple of times at AEW, even before the purchase was made. And again, would he make sense there? Sure. I mean, he wouldn't get pushed, but yeah, I could see him there. Um, but you're right. The beauty of it is, and this is the gist, You and you tell me if I'm wrong here. Sinclair knew they was going to sell this shit the whole time, which is why they fucking let everybody go. 
So instead of just being completely honest with us, they were like, no, we're rebranding. We're doing the indie They style. pulled like, a WCW. They pulled a literal WCW. They divested their assets to get profitable. So all you, all of those, all y'all who think in WWE trying to get profitably sold, Ring of Honor shows you how that's really done. They let everybody go. Stopped touring. Said, we're going to pause and reset. Led reset. with the we pay... Led with the we paid everybody through the pandemic. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And then your company went belly up because, well, the money dried up. Like, let's keep it a buck. Sinclair yep. New Day, we're going to sell this shit because the money dried up. Because them regional streaming service or them regional sports networks were not what they thought they was going to be because the pandemic done hit and none of them sports was playing. Zero. And what's hilarious is this is a, uh, this is a total case of slapping yourself in the face. Ring of Honor could have been profitable. You Ring of Honor could have been what AEW is. Ring it, of Honor could have been what AEW is. Sinclair yes. has money. I'm not saying that they've got as much money as the con oil czars, but like they had money and more importantly, they own television networks. They could have put that shit on prime time. Whenever they wanted. Shit. L- look over here at Anthem buying their own damn network just so that TNA Impact got their own got a, a show. And to like, Impact's credit, and to Anthem's credit, God damn it, if they didn't stabilize that company finally. It's it stable. took them a hot minute. They had to buy a TV network from uh, What's-His-Face down in Dallas. Uh, oh, um, Mark Cuban, yeah. That's Mark right. Cuban. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had to buy Mark Cuban's TV network. But God damn it, they've got a consistent time slot at a good time on a day when they got no competition. They have it's a consistent a roster? roster and a decent product, you know. Oh, it's nothing and by that the I way, wanna watch, but it's decent. Before Ian, they picked up the best free agent uh announcer because Tom yeah, Phillips they got Tom. Tom fan. Yeah. Yeah, they got Tom working with Aiden English. So they, like, yeah, they're doing they doing look, I I'm not gonna watch, but they do no, they doing good work. No, I'm never gonna watch again. I've been fooled too many times. You but know good what hurt for my heart? Them. You know what hurt my heart with them? You know, you know Jay and the Bullet Club turned on the Tongans. I saw and that. Like, you, you can't say the Tongans because Fale was part of it. So they turned on God and 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 Jado. And I, I was that. like, that's it for me, dog. I'm out of the yep. Bullet Club now. Yeah, yeah, same, same. <laughs> that was my immediate thought as well. I was like, oh, no God, no thanks for me. I'm finished. I love me some Fale, <laughs> and I would I would never say anything negative to his face. But I I'm done, and I love Switchblade. You know I'm one of the Civil Blade's biggest fans, dog. I'm out on it, bro. Like it's time. Oh, uh, you turned on Haku. I'm done. <laughs> I'm following Haku wherever he fucking. If goes. I'm gonna take three generations of Bullet Club or Haku, I'm rocking with Haku. <laughs> yeah. He's how old? Don't care. Don't that care. He's in a wheelchair. He still be your ass. Shit. He'll take all of the North American Bullet Club on by himself. So do, do this for me. Give me two minutes. Yeah. How would you, if you were Tony Khan, okay. first stop taking the coke. Well, yeah, but, obviously. God <laughs> <what we> have. <laughs> All jokes aside, how would you, what would you do with Ring of Honor? Give me your first year. You don't have to be specific, but give me your first year. What's your plans for Ring of Honor if you had the book? All right. So if I'm Tony Khan and I have Ring of Honor, I slowly phase out Dark and Dark Elevation. 
Like okay. that is my first step. I'm slowly phasing that shit out because I got Rampage and Dynamite for my actual people that I should be pushing that people need to see. And yep. now I've got Ring of Honor for all of these or everybody else's. Um, I'd probably build the tag division around. Honestly, I'm going to build the developmental tag division around the gun club. Okay. The ass, ass boys. boys yeah, by the the name. Ass boys. <laughs> I'm going to build my tag team developmental around the ass boys. Um, I'm going to let Dan Housen go back. Cause I think okay. that honestly, he serves a better purpose there. Um, I honestly might make Danhausen the authority housing for Ring of Honor. Very fair, um, very evil. Yeah, very fair, very evil. Ring of Honor housing. Um, you know. Um, so that's my first move. Danhausen is the commissioner of Ring of Honor housing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> very fair, very evil. Um, and he loves the ass boys, so he's gonna make the ass boys his cornerstone for the tag division. I'm going to build the singles division probably around, um, I would have said Hook before he, you know, was debuting on pay-per-views and shit. And became a superstar, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, he pretty and he can do good things. So, like, you know, obviously it was coming. So, good for you, baby. Um, I ain't going to hate on it. Um, I'm not really sure who I would push as, like, their top, like... Can I pitch someone to you? Please do. It would hurt my heart to see it happen. And I mean this, because I don't... I don't, I love the dude. I think he deserves better. But, man, if you called Claudio Castagnoli and said, you're gonna be the star of Ring of Honor, it's it's not developmental, but it's our second company, but it, we're building you're it You're gonna be Johnny you. Gargano. Right, yes. <laughs> Yes, you're gonna be Gargano, and you're and gonna we'll, go back to your old stomping ground and be Gargano. One hundred, and you and you we'll we'll put you on the main. You'll we'll be on AW shows. We'll cross you over, but you're gonna be the Roman Reigns, the Gargano of the Walter, the Walter, even better of Ring of Honor. I don't know, Claudia. I don't, and you pay him good money. I don't think I was gonna no. say. I was gonna say. What have we said every week, Riz? How many zeros? How many zeros, baby? And look, and and my second call. Chris Hero. Hey, oh, Chris, yeah. you you feel like booking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me Chris Hero and Samoa Joe as as the guys who run this company. Well, you honestly, got a company dog. Honestly, honestly. So like, since the Ass Boys are gonna be there, I'm gonna let Billy have a lot of not not he's not gonna lead anything, but sure. I'm gonna have him serve a lot of mentor roles. Would you call dog? Would you call Road Dog? I don't know, but I might call Sean. I t- well, ain't nobody. Sean ain't leaving. Uh, no, no. Oh, you mean not, kid. I mean kid. Yeah. He still in the, He still wants to have one more run before he finishes. But you, that may Shit. be. He can, maybe he can do the occasional match. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But he he. I think he's he's still in the good graces of the E. So he might still go back there first. I'll tell you this. While Road Dog has some personal things that a lot of people don't like, that kind oh, of he can book a show. Up. He's good at his job. He can book a show. He did 2016 so, SmackDown. I will forever yeah. go back to it. Like, I will forever go back to that whenever people bring it up. And I'm just like, listen, I understand Road Dog has his flaws. He yeah. got a lot and a lot of them. And I also, part of my reason for maybe not bringing him in is I don't know if I want him and Billy together. I don't think they're That's a fair. good influence on each other. That's very fair. That's very fair. They've shown that they haven't been over the years. 
Yeah, but they're like, old men I, now, but you're they right. They are, and they've all they are, and they're also both good at the jobs that they have. But yeah. I still have not seen at any point in their lives up to now where the two of them working together in the same place is a yeah. good thing. They bring would, out the worst habits in one another. Well, then I would argue. Then why would you bring Waltman? Because Waltman and Billy Gunn is like an outsider of the clique. Oh goddamn, you're right. That's all right. They've got Regal now. So, you know, Regal, when he's not doing things with. We're, we're doing a news roundup, y'all. That's a new segment I'm bringing later after this. Regal's in that news in that news roundup. So, yes. Yeah. Look, but, look yeah. They've got that. Regal now. So, you know, he can continue to do what he was doing. Um, but not realistically, if I'm booking Ring of Honor, I think the biggest thing that I would probably try to do is I'd probably try to keep Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, because Gresham wanted to start his own promotion anyway. Just let him be the face of this. Let him do his thing. Let him be the face of this, because at the end of the day, he is one of, if not the best technical wrestler like in in the world right now. And why the fuck wouldn't I want the kids that need to learn how to go? Oh, good point. Good point. Working with that. Why wouldn't I want Danielson going down to Ring of Honor to do matches with these young ones? Why wouldn't I want these things? Because the whole point of my developmental system is, and we're starting to see this now that NXT 2.0 has synergy with the main roster, I need to use my veterans with these people who need to learn what the fuck they're doing. Facts. All the facts. The reason they're there is because they can get where they need to be. They yeah. can be ready for the TV and the prime time and the big bright lights, but they aren't ready yet. And I need these people. Sending someone like Miz down to do Miz TV on NXT Genius. is great because who better to teach these kids how to do fucking character work? Why I'm not with- have Ziggler be champion? He's one of the best in-ring people they've got. Who better to teach these kids the one thing that we've said all of them need to learn? How to fucking sell. Who better to teach you how to sell? Yep. Yep. Look, you're spot on. NXT, I, I know many people risked his demise quite early, but NXT 2.0, is, I think, has earned its worth. Well, and so, like, I'm just thinking Jonathan Gresham <clears throat> occupies a similar concept within... Um, ROH in my mind because like again best technical person in the world and you also have Danielson on contract so like why wouldn't I want the people who are green working with these people there's so many great in-ring guys though that Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. put, you know, I would put Regal and Danielson and I'd try to keep Gresham. I'd put Jay Lethal down there. He ran a school. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd keep these people down there and like, oh, and some of the old heads that the younger ones on Dynamite aren't currently listening to, I'd put some of them in charge of some of the Ring of Honor shit because like, you're going to listen to me in developmental. You might not listen to me when TK and Matt and Nick are around because they're not listening to me, but you're going to listen to me in my fucking developmental program, and I'm going to teach you how to do this the right fucking way. We're going to catch people when they dive. We're not going to have a million spots in every match. We're going to sell. We're going to structure. We're going to tell stories. To your point, that's why Billy Gunn would probably be the guy, because he's the closest thing to a drill sergeant-esque trainer they have. 
Um, and he's also someone who's gone on record along with like Malenko and Ross well, and a couple of other people who have said, we tell them these things. They don't fucking listen to don't us. Listen to shit. And throw Jerry Lynn over there. By the way, if I'm John Gresham, first and foremost, some zeros got to be there, number one. But yeah. number two, more than anything, I'll do it. You got to let me. You got to let me keep doing Terminus. Either I run this shit or I don't. Yes. Either I run this shit or I don't. So we mentioned Cesaro earlier, and I know you wanted to kind of talk about that. Craziness. I wanted to talk about it because it's one of those things where it's like you can argue from the company perspective. It's not necessarily a big loss because the company's roster is stacked. And at any given mm-hmm. time, they just plug and play people mm-hmm. like hotcakes. However, like from a quality standpoint yeah. and from a like long time fan standpoint, devastating loss. Oh, man. Uh, you know, the loss of Swiss is oof. you don't realize how important somebody is until they're gone. And that's in many ways. And you're right. Like, he really was the Swiss Army knife. He really was. But what's crazy is the shows aren't bad without him. You don't quite feel like you're missing something without him, but you know you are because he enhances everything he's a part of. It's and he's like, such a great person backstage. Well, it's it's because the company has reached this point where, like, right now they don't, outside of, like, Roman and Brock, have any, like, can't-remove stars and so you have people like Cesaro, Zazaro, and uh, Owens and Zane and people like that, where it's just True. like to, uh, to us as fans, it would be a loss that they are gone. And like yeah. we would want to watch them wherever they are next. But like from the company perspective, like, is it though? The interesting thing to me is Cesaro was very much one of those Brian esque wrestlers who this is real to. Mm-hmm. Like he gets the business, he gets it scripted and all that. Like he's not, he know, does whatever oblivious. the fuck you ask him to do, one hundred percent. But like this matters to him because he looks at wrestling like a sport. And I don't know if it was opportunities or respect because from the from the uh, we know how the fucking bullshit reports can be. So look, I'm not trying to sit here and say that everything is right that you hear. But the reported reason he walked away wasn't because he wasn't gonna be given a major push for a championship. It was that he wasn't given a number he thought was fair. Now, it wasn't so low that, like, the bridges were burned. But it basically kind of gave him an indicator of, well, this is who I am to y'all now. And, like, to me, it's interesting because he had been such the... He hadn't been a good soldier, bruh. He had been the good soldier. Him and Ziggler were in Kofi. Him, Ziggler, Kofi, and Miz were the four guys who have been there over 10 years that you could say... No matter what happens, if you're winning the title or you're in the bottom of the card, they rocking with the company. Well, and also, you know, people in a workplace talk when it comes to compensation, especially at contract time. Yeah. And like, especially when you've been there a long time. So you kind of know how that work, like how that works and like where you should be. And I, I guarantee, because a lot of people have re-upped recently, I guarantee he's asked people like Woods and Miz and like Owens and these people that have re-upped recently. Yeah, so what you sign for? Yes, yeah, so what you sign for? What you, uh, what was your downside? You remember what Kevin signed for, right? What he, what he reported? Allegedly, he signed for lots of money. 
couple mil. Yeah. AJ got three. Well, and so, and so I would imagine, you know, he's probably asked, and for those that think, oh, well, he couldn't be worth as much to the company as an Owens or an AJ, um, Cesaro speaks five languages and is the face of a lot of their European shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, he is every bit as valuable from a financial standpoint, technically, as, like, one of these other performers. But not the point. The point I'm just making is, like, he locker rooms talk people ask and he has been there like you said 10 years so he knows when they give him an offer what that offer means and he probably looked at that number and was just like hmm you know i bet tony tony might make me a similar offer to this one or anthem might make me a similar offer or a lower offer to this one but i could work less dates and i could do what i want and i could take whatever programs i want as much as i want and i could go home if i want to and that's big i'm sure he ain't been back to switzerland in years and so like i'm sure he looked at the pros and cons of it all and looked at that number and was just like you know i just don't think like this number is worth it there are not enough zeros on this check and uh i respect y'all but i will have to respectfully know my worth and say good day this is a fucked up question yeah, tell me. Do you think you said something very salient that Cesaro was kind of the face of their European world, right? Do you think now that they know they got Walter, aka Gunther, like they got him locked, they got him locked up now, like he's a part of the, he ain't this mountain just over there, like he's a part of the family now. You know what I'm saying? You think they're like, oh, well, we got Walter, we don't need, we don't need Cesaro no more. You think it was I one think, of those? No, I think it's more than just him. They've got Walter. They've got Drew now. They've sure. Got, I mean, they, yes, it's all the way this back. I know that, but I mean in terms of just body for body. Oh, Because yeah. they I do mean, the same things. It could be that. It could be that. It could be that. We're and not going to talk Gunther about... got cut, homie. Have you seen the stomach? The boy got cut. Good for... I mean, good for him. We're not going to talk about Butch. I'm still salty. Know. I'm still salty about that. Like, I'll get over it. I will yeah. because I will yeah. always get over it. It's wrestling. But in the moment, I'm still salty about that. I haven't had a laugh like that in weeks. I barely laughed. I almost spit out my drink. Talk about a laugh. That shit was funny as fuck. So, I'm like, hey. this man has been on the main roster. It shows before, sir. I appreciate at least I know the names are dumb as fuck. And I acknowledge they're dumb as fuck. But and maybe I'm on an island on my own and I usually am. I appreciate the way they played do, the the way Dewdrop got her name, the way Butch got their names. Cause they didn't say, Well, this is their name now. It was uh when they were asking Piper what her name is, and she was like, Well, my name is, and Eva was like, No, I'm gonna call her Dewdrop. So, and with this one. Um, Seamus said, well, he has another name, but we've always called him this. At least there's some thought to it. It's, at least it's not, well, hey, I know you've never seen this guy before, so his name is this now. At least there's not, like, you all started I know off the show is, saying, don't treat us like we're stupid. At least they're not treating us like we're that dumb. All I know is, I guess Pete must have re-signed. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, 
he's still here. And uh, they had to call him up because you don't fit with the new NXT. But he's still in his 20s. So, like, he will be fine on the main roster as long as he's willing to play this game. Oh, yeah. And, and he'll move, Pat. He's not going to be Peaky Blinders forever. Like, nope. he'll be the Bruiser Ray very soon. Don't worry. And who's the as third there? Guess, Rich Holland, the guy that. Oh, isn't he the one that's be. supposed to be, like, getting the, like, to the moon push? Well, remember, he started getting pushed and then he, uh, uh, Ricochet broke his face, but something else happened to him that got Oh, no, he's the one. Isn't he the one that, like, destroyed his ankle? Yeah, but that was in NXT. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he's the one that's rumored to be getting the, like, mega holy shit push. Back it up on that now, because I know they're going to sit down and talk with him after the E situation. And I'm not saying blame him. He, He did not use his hips. I don't know if E didn't thrust to help but that's the second time we dropped somebody on their head that Johnny Gargano didn't wasn't hurt but you know e that's one of those situation. if nothing else that's one of those they're gonna have to sit his ass down and just be like until you can learn to do the move don't do the fucking move and he's with he's he's paired with the right guy because Seamus has done this long enough that he's a good mentor I think for Ridge and I know he feels like garbage. I'm not trying to. Oh, yeah. No, to. yeah, no. We're not. Uh, we in no way think that he did it on purpose. God, no. We in no way think that, like, it's not something that could have happened to literally anyone. Could It could have been E doing it to him because E does the overhead. So, yeah. like. Every match. It, it could. It just. It happens. Accidents fucking happen. I just hope Vince doesn't ban the move because you know no, he's notoriously will ban moves that have hurt people. Yes, that and, is true. They and I hope he doesn't do ban the move. drivers. Man, because uh, the man, the overhead belly to belly is one of the most beautiful moves you it's can just do. So purdy. Well, we got yeah. hook. Well, that's right. We do got hook. We do got hook. And speaking of things that we got from AEW, um, man. The Twitter fingers were a flying Monday night. Cody watched 2022. <laughs> I think my favorite, I got to give SRS props. My favorite is definitely adrenaline in my soul. There's no update on Cody Rhodes. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, I got to tell you. Hey, they trolling the shit out of of fans now, bro. Like the Jacksonville oh. thing, they troll the shit out of them. No, bro. even better than that, though. Even better than that, though, are the are the people talking about Cody gonna debut before Veer? Cody gonna get here before <laughs> Veer? Hell yeah, <laughs> dog. So I, I I know this in the, in the case, but I can see Vince Petty ass saying Cody's debuting tonight in Jacksonville, and Cody's probably in fucking Gorilla. And when they showed that first backstage with with the Seth and the crowd chanted Cody, Cody, I can see Vince saying, "Nope, not tonight." <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> Send it home. Okay. Legitimately, it's gonna be Seth Cody at, at Mania, right? I mean, like there are too many false flags for it to not be. Yeah, yeah. There's like, no, there's well, there's smoke fire usually. Yeah. Yeah, because like if they were gonna make it. Seth KO, they already would have done it. 
Yep. Like that would have already been booked. Um, and the fact that they had to face each other on Monday for the opportunity to host the segment with Austin, like guarantees that they're not going to do that. And they are not fixing to leave Seth off of a two night WrestleMania. So it's gotta be Cody. I tell you, so WWE has done some things recently different that I don't know if people are putting two and two together yet. Uh, 34, WrestleMania 34, John Cena begged and begged and begged Undertaker to come. The night of WrestleMania, Undertaker wasn't showing up. Motherfucker sat in the crowd. And then Undertaker showed up. They had a match. The, the show was sold. There was no, you're not selling pay-per-view buys. People go and buy tickets of Mania. So, like, since there's no pay-per-view buys to be sold, what's the point? You don't need to sell it the same way you did in, 19, in 2007 or 2002, right? You don't need to sell it the same way. So you can have surprises on a show like that. We've seen that a couple times recently. So I don't know if Cody debuts the night of WrestleMania. Like, I think for it to work, you'd have to have Cody... Cody's name pop up or something the night before, like the the raw before or something. But to have Seth Aimless going into Mania, and then have it, whatever happens, happen at Mania, makes a lot of sense to me because I think that would be like a fun spot for the crowd. And it it, it may sometimes you need to make the show feel. Sometimes if they the start if they hot. start dropping if they start dropping Seth Rollins is at a crossroads, bullshits. <laughs> then you'll know what's up. You knew what time it is. You know, there were rumors that the reason why Damian Priest didn't, he stopped using the Reckoning last week was because, well, Cody's coming. And then the bitch used it this week. And we're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Michelle McCool used the Styles Clash for years. And give fuck. And give no fuck. No fucks. Didn't even do it right. No, she does not do it right. That's a good point. I forgot she does it so wrong. Oh, she does it real dangerously. Yeah, as long as you're not breaking, there ain't been nobody, nobody, nobody's been Yoshi tattooed yet. Now that's fair. Yeah, Not and I'm gonna mean that as a diss, cause God bless Yoshi tattooed. He, I'm glad he's healthy. Mm-mm-mm. Don't tuck your chin, folks. We know it's your instinct, but don't do it. Shout out to Madcap Moss. He learned that. Yeah, in, in Saudi and, Arabia. And listen, that is not anybody shitting on anybody. I know Ooh. it's instinctual. That is your body's natural impulse is to tuck your chin. But that is a quick trip to the emergency room. Yeah. Like that is yeah. personified. So like, don't do it, y'all. Don't do it. Um, but anyway, let's take one more quick little bitty break, and then we gonna do a new segment called the News Roundup.
before we get started with our news roundup, y'all, just remember that for all of your news and opinions, you should go to thechairshot.com. So I have five news items that are recent that I want to tell you and get your real life opinion. For those of you who don't know, there's a thing I like to do on the show where I like to not tell Kyle things and get his live reaction because it's money. And this will be really great because I've been very unplugged from the wrestling news lately. So, like, I'm going to get some raw, unfiltered opinions here. All right. Let's start with um, let's start with the M- the WWE MLW antitrust lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So the WWE has filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit this week. And their reason for giving saying that it should be dismissed is because they say that AEW's success further undercuts MLW's unsupported assertion that substantial barriers to entry exist. Essentially, they said that since AEW is getting top-notch ratings, then you can't say that we're a monopoly because they jumped in this bitch real fast. Mm. WWE's argument was... Smells like poor people. (laughs) (laughs) Broke money don't make money, bitch. Uh, There's poor people in the room. Oh, okay. Um, Let's 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 continue to uh, to have a little fun with this. Let's talk about the homie Swerve Strickland. By the way, shout out to Shane Swerve Strickland, Swerve the Realist, signing with AEW and having a fantastic debut match. Shout out to Swerve. Get that money, homie. Swerve Strickland uh, thinks that Triple H missed opportunities in NXT core guys. He had a interview with the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast where he says that. um, Let me give you the actual. Here we go. I'm going to read the whole I'm going to read the whole thing. There was nothing there was nothing I really needed to work on. It was just a timing thing. Of course, I wanted to get better and improve on certain things, but they still had Riddle there. They still had Damian Priest. Damo just came back. Finn Balor just came back down. Gargano. Ciampa was getting healthy. There was a lot of talent still. Like, Undisputed Era was running rampant, you know? It was just so many guys. And then Leo came back as well. So he was asked if a lack of push frustrated him. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I had four good, strong conversations with Triple H about it personally. I was like, hey, I want to be one of your top guys. What do I have to do? Straight up, and I wasn't bullshitting and getting around or anything. I was like, what do I have to do? Because I know I can do it. And every time I had a conversation, he boosted me up a little bit with my position. And that's why I got into the Santos Escobar thing. Because it's like, okay, I want more. Okay. Then he puts us on takeover for the Cruiserweight title. I was like, okay, I still want more. What's the hesitation to put me with these top dudes? It was just placement and all this other stuff. I came back. I put the grills in my mouth and the hair color and things like that. The first person who really recognized that was William Regal. He was like, just like, that's brilliant. I like this. And then Terry Taylor was just like, I see what you're doing. And now you stand out because Terry was always was just always about like you. He was just always about like, excuse me. You always did great stuff in the ring and you always had great moves and stuff. But now I feel you just by looking at you i feel something for you now it's so now it's like okay i think you're ready now now all the office was starting to get behind me and then having those conversations with sean michaels sean was behind me so all the office was like already he's ready to go 
And so in these meetings and stuff, Triple H was talking about the main events and all these other things, but Sean was nudging him like, yeah, but we have Swerve over here. Swerve's ready to go. He's primed. And then I did the Leon Ruff match, and then I went to TakeOver, did the gauntlet thing, and it came down to me and Bronson. Me and Bronson had a couple more of singles matches, and that's where Stephanie was watching, too. She came through, and she was like, you're my favorite heel. And I was like, I love the, and was like, I love the way you do this. It got to a point where you just couldn't deny me anymore. Those frustrating days and years built up to being undeniable. It's like, okay, what are we doing now? The fans were saying it. The peers were saying it. And now the office is saying it. So, okay. I'm forcing your hand now because I said I'm ready. I'm going to do this. You ready? And so sometimes you have to do that. Uh, sometimes you have to know how good you are. You have to understand what you present to a product. And uh, so he keeps, he goes on to say he never felt that Triple H invested him until Hit Row happened. Um, but it, it's interesting to hear people who have left NXT talk about now, while Triple H was great, he had his guys and he was only invested in the guys he wanted to be invested in and was not interested in developing the guys to continue to move forward. And now you see why we had to have a reason for NXT 2.0. What were your thoughts, sir? Well, my thoughts were more along the lines of, so like people talked about the decline of NXT's quality towards the end or the inconsistency of the quality, uh, or some of like the people with dead end booking issues. And I think just really further serves the issue of he had too much authority over who got called up. And there were a lot of people that were there that needed to be called up that did not get called up because he kept them for too long. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got talent like Swerve who were hungry and wanted the opportunity who were just like pretty much straight up not being used or stuck on the fucking Largo loop. And that's unfortunate. As far as like Hunter having his guys that he would push, I, my thought there is, you mean to tell me that one of the most political members of the clique has chosen favorites that he's giving preferential booking to? Shocked. The, Shocked. The same man who booked himself as world champion in 2002 to the death knell of Raw? Couldn't be. Absolutely no. shocked. Shocking. Okay. Um, got a little downer real quick, and then we're going to bring it back up in the last two. William Regal was told that he needed an amputation or he had 24 hours to live. William Regal talked on uh, Talk is Jericho, which is apparently the going show for those who left, left, left WWE. And while we're talking about that, let me tell you about this Omaha State. I'm joking. I'm joking. That was a, that was a Talk is Jericho joke. Um, quote, quoting uh, the great Lord Regal, they sent me for a scan because my legs were swelling and they do a scan on my abdomen. Luckily, again, fortunately for me, there's a cardiologist in the room, and this lady saved my life. She went, hang on a minute, there's something above that that doesn't look right. But they couldn't scan there because you've already been injected with the dye. You can only do one. I go back Monday, I get a scan that I've never had before, some type of scan. I go back Monday, I went home. Within an hour of me being in the house, my cardiologist called me saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going, why? He said, we should have thought of this years ago. He's telling me all these things that it doesn't pick up on a regular scan. 
He said, you've probably got less than six months to live. What happened was this sack around my heart had completely calcified. It looked like a goose egg. It was completely constricted. It had just grown into a solid lump of rock, he claimed. I have the picture in which I can show you. Where they cut me open and he's wrapping up on this goose egg with the scalpel is going tap, tap, tap. Then three hours later, you can see where he's peeled it all off. You can see a completely beating heart. If they didn't take this off now, I would have six months to go. Continuing on, talking about his leg, I thought I was going to die. It was really bad. <clears throat> it was January 4th. Somehow I got sepsis in my leg. Again, this is all things that happen to me. Something gets me through this stuff. My wife gets a call three o'clock in the morning. He's got sepsis in his leg. We're going to cut his leg off. And if he's, he's probably got 24 hours to live if we don't. The doctor who was looking after me, his wife was a doctor. She was on call. She overheard because they're not allowed to talk to each other about cases. She overheard a conversation that there's a fellow who had a pericardectomy, what, what, what Regal had. Which, again, when I was in the hospital, it was like the elephant man, if you've ever seen that movie. They were bringing people in all the time to look at me. I'm like creamed. All these doctors were coming in to stare at me because you don't see this thing, right? So she heard this and called her husband at home, woke him up, and said they're about to chop his leg off. He called them and said, inject him with this, 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 and this. They weren't going to do it. They were going to chop my leg off. But that worked and saved my leg. All right, then. God damn. So that escalated says, quickly. When that man says he's been through shit, he ain't just talking about the drugs and 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 the booze. He's talking about, like, he shouldn't be here right now. I saw, like, a thing about, like, him not having a lot of time left, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm in a headspace to read this right now. Well, but, don't read that. Oh, my, that escalated quickly. That was bullshit from Meltzer. Meltzer, Meltzer got an excerpt of what Riggle said and talk is Jericho and assumed he was talking about right now. Man, fuck Dave Meltzer. What a piece of shit. Yes. God damn, I hate him. All right. Um, here, let's end with uh, two AEW anecdotes. Eric Bischoff does not see basic storytelling in AEW. Uh, yeah. uh, I hard agree. Yeah. I mean, top level is great. The Wardlow story with MJF is fantastic. The Punk story with MJF was great. The Hangman story with Kenny was great. Top levels, top level stuff. But it's kind of yeah, in the middle. But uh, I've been saying this from the get-go. I've been saying from day one, whether it's about WWE or AEW, it's a commitment to story, and AEW is proving my point. The fact that they have plateaued is proving my point. You can add whoever you want to your roster, and it won't matter beyond a week or two, unless the audience is engaged in a compelling story that makes them look forward to next week. Not because they're just wrestling fans and they want to see a four-star Tokyo Dome match. No, that's not going to grow the audience. That's going to satisfy the audience you already have. If you can have that phenomenal athletic match, great. And it's, and it's a payoff to the story. That's excellent. That's perfect. But if you're not building stories that people focus on, talk about, relate to, and make the fans want to come back every week and see where it's going next, if you're not doing that, I don't give a damn. If you could take WWE's existing roster bring it over to AEW, and nothing's going to happen. It's a story. It's its story. And first of all, you have to have a basic understanding of how to tell the story. And I don't see it. I don't see it in WWE, and I don't see it in AEW. I mean, 
I agree with that on both fronts. I think that the proof for that with WWE is the best episodes of Raw and SmackDown that they have that we talk about on any given month are the very rare episode where it had a driving narrative. Yes. A cohesive driving narrative from beginning to end. A story. A Like the iconic 2016 SmackDown that I keep bringing up. What made that year so great is that entire year, every episode felt like a real cohesive story where you've got the main event storyline and establishing a world title. You've got the creation of a women's division with a lot of unproven women. You've got this new tag team doing crazy skits. You've got like everything built on itself and led into one another and things were combined together and there was good synergy. Any given episode of Raw or SmackDown or Dynamite these days is formulaic. It, it, it's like paint by numbers. The promos that they're cutting are obvious. Um, with some with some exceptions, like you said, you know, the Punk MJF storyline was great. It was incredibly well done um, because they told an actual story and they stuck to that story and they allowed it to evolve and create nuance. I wasn't a huge fan of the match itself because it, it went too much into the gore for me. And that's not my cup of tea. Yeah, but they did it well. And again, told a story. They, the, the, you can say the same about both companies. Yeah. Because at I the agree. top of level of WWE, they are telling good stories. It's the middle and the bottom. And, and, and the difference between AEW and WWE is at least AEW has stories at the bottom. I, like, whatever the fuck that's been going on with Andrade and the Hardy family and Private Party and all this is garbage to me. And we'll talk about the Hardys after all this because I want to get your thoughts on them coming back tonight. We're recording on Wednesday. But but it's at least it's a story. There's something. Motherfuckers just fighting in WWE. So it's like, and there's stories, but it's not the same. Um, last one for you, sir. And then we can kind of riff just for a minute before we end the show. Joey Janela's leaving AEW. Yup. Or choose not to resign. But there's interesting things he said in his interview with. I saw the interview. Shout out to Denise Salsado. Did I say her name right? Did I say her right? Mm, I think I think it's Salcedo. I don't know. Salcedo. Yes, Denise. Denise from Fightful. How about that? Um, I'm going to read some random quotes because I don't need to read the whole thing he said. Some random quotes. But this one first starting off, he says, um, it's over now and we're just moving forward. I have no complaints. I thank Tony. They've been doing this to people. They've been radio silent on the people that they're letting their contract expire. That's why you have talent relations to talk to your talent and tell them what the situation is. If they're going to have a paycheck coming in or if they're going to be signed to a per appearance deal, which some of the guys have agreed to, I would never agree on a per appearance deal anywhere. My per appearance deal is going to be when I'm booking myself all over the world. I'm booked in six different countries coming up per appearance on the independent scene. I want to be my own boss. That's how I got my name out there. I was my own boss and I had the most buzz outside of the elite. And that's why I had this opportunity at AEW. That's why I had this opportunity at All In. Two more interesting quotes I want to tell you real fast. The first one he says is, um, in speaking on why he thinks uh, that 
that Tony hasn't called him back or Tony hasn't reached out to him. I think a lot of it has to do with the situation where I worked with Eddie Kingston in Charlotte. And I super kicked him in the face a little bit too hard, came in a little bit too hot. I've been squatting probably 50 more pounds than I'm used to be squatting and uh, doing 100 pounds more on the leg press. And I don't know. I didn't realize I had that type of power in my legs. And I gave him a super kick and broke his orbital bone. He was going into the feud with Chris Jericho, and I feel that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. A lot of guys, maybe some older heads that believed my hype and believed that I was some kind of dangerous professional wrestler. I've had times where I've injured people. Of course, everyone has. But once you get the reputation, it's hard to break that. I've had a string of bad luck throughout my AEW career, and that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back because they don't communicate with me. The last thing he said, and I don't have the quote here. I mean, I can find it if you want, but he talks about Marco Stunt and how they just ghosted Marco. Nobody ever called him back. So, like, that you know, normally they would they'll t- call and t- a company should call and tell you, "Hey, man, your contract's up. We appreciate you. Thank you for working here." Ain't nobody Marco ain't heard from the motherfuckers at all. Once again, Tony needs a team. You can't do it alone. You got all these EVPs. What the fuck do they do? Like, well, you you say all of them. It's just two of them now. Three of them now. But even so, you got these you got these EVPs. You got people that have all these fucking jobs that do all these different things. You mean to tell me you have nobody in human resources? You have no like, you have no talent relations, none of that. And if the answer is no, which I do believe the answer is probably no, that's a problem, dog. That's a big so problem. This is a, this is gonna be a stupid statement or a stupid analogy, but where you work at. You're a teacher. This is no secret. I'm not giving anything away. Nope. If the principal of your school came to your class one day and said, hey, Kyle, I'm teaching today. You're going to say no. Here you go, boss. Bye. No, shit. Shit. Right? I don't care. I'm going to keep it a buck with your rants, especially it's March at this point in the year. If literally anybody that's an actual adult that works in the building knocked on my door and was like, yo, I'm teaching this class today. Here you go. Deuces. <laughs> so you're a little more excited about that than I thought you would be. I should have known that. But the same analogy, Chris Daniels is over talent relations. Sean Dean, QT Marshall are over developmental. Sean Dean is the guy that calls extras, right? Yeah. You have all these different um, uh, backstage uh, producers and agents. Dean Malenko's over all of them. They have their structure. But if Tony's coming to your job and saying, I got this, you gonna tell the boss and the owner no? That's the problem. The problem is Antonio don't have people involved. He needs more people for sure. He needs more people. He needs more of a talent relations group. It needs to be more than one dude. He needs an actual human resources team. It needs to be more than just whoever you know. It, yes, but also the problem is Tony looking at motherfucker saying, "No, don't worry about it. I got that." Mm-hmm. And you see what happened? Mm-hmm. That is exactly what the problem is, and that's why, like, that's why this is such an issue, is, like, Tony can't do this alone, and he thinks he can do this alone, and all he's going to actually end up doing is he's going to burn a lot of bridges, and in the short term, he's going to get away with this, because in the short term, he's still the hot new shit, 
And his company is still riding that good wave of being that hot new shit. And, you know, the people that are at the top are very happy. And that's going to keep them around for a little while. But eventually, shit's going to go sour. And do you know where I think that's, you know where I really think that's going to happen? I see him finagling those EVP titles away real quick. And that'll be that that'll be the five of life. When that happens, it's gonna be real bad. (coughs) Well, so this is the interesting thing to me is Madden Jeff already resigned. And they essentially had their EVP power stripped away of them, but they got them in name. It's like You mean Matt and Nick Jackson? Madden Nick, yeah. The Jackson, yeah, whatever. Generation me, the young bucks. The interesting thing to me is Tyson Smith, a.k.a. Kenneth Omega, has not re-signed his new deal. Now, he ain't going nowhere. I'd be shocked if he left. I'd be I'd be more shocked if he left than I was when Ambrose left. I'd be blown. I'm more shocked when he left than when I was when when Daniel Bryan Danielson left. I'd be blown away if he left. I don't know, I man. Bushiro, I don't know, man. Bushy Road might back up the brakes truck. Man, look. Bushy, Cause if look. He leaves Because if he leaves, he's going back to Japan. New Japan. No, I, I think I think. Well, let me finish my thought first, and then I'll say talk about that because that's another conversation that I think is interesting. It's interesting to me to see, to your point, when if and when he resigns, is he going to keep that EVP label? What is going to be the deal about his power behind the scenes? Because that was why Cody left. He didn't talk. He think he didn't. He didn't think he was getting paid the level where he should have got paid for all the work he was doing. It wasn't just in ring, y'all. It wasn't just in ring. He was the face of the company, outside of the company. So that's interesting to me. To your other point, man, New Japan in the dirt right now, bro. Dirt! And I love New Japan. They in the dirt. Impact is doing New Japan better than New Japan is. Damn. That's fucked up, I say. New Japan strong. Is better than New Japan real. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, well, dog. So it yeah, is. Man. It's ridiculous until you remember that New Japan Strong has Switchblade. Well, New Japan Strong has a lot of people, but especially Switchblade. That you wonder why they're in the dirt. Switchblade don't want nothing to do with Japan no more. He nope. been back. He done. To the he done. I think somewhere in his in his heart of hearts. Kenny wants to be the best, and he knows I can't really fully be the best if I didn't do a WWE run. I, I think be he wants one. The very best. Ba-da-bop. I think he. I think he wants to run. I think he wants one run because I think he wants to see can I make it work there. Now I'm not saying he's gonna do it long. I mean, I'm not honestly, saying he's ever gonna do it. But honestly, like legitimately, I don't know if he can make it work there. I think he has the best opportunity to make it work there now. Because Vince has shown a propensity to let these motherfuckers have motherfuckers have more than they've ever had. He would have That's never true. let AJ Styles be AJ Styles ten years ago. That's true. That's he would have true. never let Finn Balor be Finn Balor or let uh, uh, um, uh, Br- Daniel Bryan. What? That's his guy. So many the New Day. So many things he's done now he would have never let happen years ago. But he, I think he's understand the times got to fucking change. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, again, Tony got to get a team, dog. Tony can't do all this shit on his own, but, like, he may or may not potentially be under, you know, the impression due to some lifestyle choices that he might allegedly be making um, that he's invincible and can do everything. We, we know what it is, and... Look, man, I hate to keep harping on this because we do this almost every week, and it's not a diss on AEW because they're doing great work. Revolution was a really fucking good pay-per-view. The top matches didn't hit like I wanted them to, but the matches I cared about were fucking fantastic to me. Um, But Tony got to do better, and the company's not going to grow or get better until Tony does better. So, look, but all we can... All that said... Fucking Eddie Kingston beat Chris Jericho. Yeah, number yeah. one. And number CM Punk came out to fucking AFI. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a punk marker again for 20 seconds. And thirdly, I'm going to leave you with this, I guess, unless you have anything else. I'm nope. going to leave you with this. The Carolina boy, talk to me about the Hardys being back for that last time. So the Hardys are back together again. And this time they're taking it back to the old school. Uh, the like team extreme version of the Hardys. And uh, I think the most interesting aspect of that is I did not realize that WWE didn't own the rights to the song. Ain't that some shit? What I mean, shit is that? look at AEW getting them a Jim Johnston original. I didn't realize at all that they did not own the copyright to that song. That's, and the, so, gist, like, that's the gist though, Kyle. Jim Johnston, they make that shit. That's what's crazy about it. Well, fuck. Right, it's a then. stock song that they found. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I didn't realize that they could just, like, appear on Dynamite with the Team Extremes uh, music. And so I'm just like, oh, all right, then. Well, if you're going to do it, do it right. If you're going to do it, do it right. Um, at this point, like, I'm not really here for the Hardys anymore. I have that feeling of them. Like, I will always love them because Carolina... But at the same time, I'm also just like, oh, baby, you are both old and you are both real hurt. And like, you ain't got to no more. Um, let's I want I have one more question for you before we leave here. And it's not wrestling related. It's uh, sports related. OK, final final four starts okay. tomorrow or as you March Madness. Yes. March Madness. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh yes, <laughs> my bad. Um, I know you're a college foot football guy. Are you interested in college basketball? And if you are, do you have a Final Four? Well, so I mean, I made a bracket. I I don't follow the men's basketball as much just because I don't have as much time, and because Carolina's not very good. We fired our coach. Um, I believe my Final Four were. Oh, God, I'm going to have to pull this up because I don't know it off the top of my head. I just did the same thing. I just pulled mine up. <laughs> there we go. Why brag it? Here we go. While you're pulling yours up, um, I have Duke, Carolina, North Carolina. I have Kansas, and I have the eventual winner and my favorite team, the greatest team in the history of all college basketball, Bear Down. The Arizona Wildcats, 25 years to the last championship. We here, baby. Okay, my final four were UConn and Kentucky, 
and Arizona and Auburn. And I had Kentucky and Arizona winning. And I had Kentucky over Arizona 95 to 92. Can I tell you, you had Kentucky over Arizona? Mm-hmm. Man, I thought you was my brother, bro. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. Arizona won the championship in 97. You know who we beat? Mm-hmm. Kentucky. I mean, so, like, I thought about it when I looked at that Final Four, and I was like, man, I got two SEC schools in the Final Four. Is that, like, right? And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, Auburn was number one in the country for a little while. So, like, they could turn around and surprise you. And what's crazy is Auburn and Kentucky can make the Final Four, and Tennessee's probably better than both of them. Probably, but they ain't getting out of that bracket. No, hell no. Hell no. Um, Yeah. Coach K's final game is coming up. Who? Coach K's final game coming up. Oh, yeah, by the way. they're going to get eliminated. <laughs> I'm not a Duke hater like so many people are. I, I like Duke. But how fucking hilarious was it that all that shit for his last home game in Cameron? Oh, <laughs> in, 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 the irony. In Durham. Oh, oh, that shit was funny as hell. irony is so delicious. Um, and with that, y'all, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find Good Brother Rants on Twitter at... It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as a Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. As always, we are part of the Chairshot Radio Network at Chairshot Media, where you always use your head. And as always, y'all, remember we here on the Outsiders Edge are some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything we can trying to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with them hard and true facts like WWE looked at MLW's lawsuit and said, Smells like poor people. Get your weight up, baby. (laughs) And other times, we're going to hit you with them true facts like, Tony, 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 you need a team, baby. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) But no matter what, y'all, we just out here chasing our dreams, and you have got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, just like Sinclair and wrestling, we sure don't. Give up. Fuck. Welcome. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Scott Hall, we love you. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. But bad guys do. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.